Hello, and welcome to Maybe It's Spiritual. This podcast is about people, their stories, their experiences, and the things they can't explain. We live in a world where supernatural occurrences happen to people more often than we talk about. And on this show, we're going to explore these paranormal encounters and become a place where people can share what they've gone through without the fear of being told they're crazy. You are not alone. My name is Rafael Gonzalez, and you are listening to Maybe It's Spiritual. Welcome back to Maybe It's Spiritual. Those of you who are listening on Spotify or Apple, feel free to hit that five stars. Leave us a review. We want to hear from you. Um, anyone who is interested in telling their story on Maybe It's Spiritual, we have a Gmail, spiritual at gmail.com. Send, send us a story. We will share it and hopefully get you on the podcast. Uh, we have an Instagram, Maybe It's Spiritual. TikTok, Maybe It's Spiritual. A YouTube now. Also, maybe it's spiritual. Pretty much everything's maybe it's spiritual. So, tonight we have a returning guest, Jimbo. Say hello, Jimbo. Hey, how you guys doing? <laughs> but we have a we have a full crew tonight. So everyone is going to introduce themselves. Um, Jimbo bought, brought some friends, and we have a new co-host, which you've probably heard before. So. Go ahead and start. Well, hey, everybody. Well, uh, nice to be here again. My name is Adam. Uh, you may have remembered me from the part two episodes we did covering uh, a lot of spiritualism, demonology, and cryptids. And it's a pleasure to be here with you, co-hosting tonight with these fine gentlemen. Thank you for being here, Adam. Hi. My name is Mike. Um, I don't know what, what else to say. I, Anything you want uh, us to know? Um, or not know? I'm, uh, I graduated from an engineering school. Back in the day, I've actually worked in aerospace uh, for two aerospace companies in my in my career. I'm currently in IT. That's awesome. I'm Steve Rowe. I'm just a working stiff, I guess. I'm from Wisconsin. Um, I got into some of this um, we're going to be talking about today. Um, basically, I was introduced at my job. Um, some of the things that he revealed to me um, kind of... I developed my own um, truth. Uh, started with me learning about 9/11 um, when that happened, and it's been a journey since then. Um, married, have seven kids, and here to talk about some truth. Maybe it's spiritual. <laughs> awesome! Right. Awesome! Awesome! Well, we sort of like talked about a bunch of stuff before we started. And then Mike started spilling the beans on some experiences he had. So we're going to start with that. See, I want to get into that. I want to hear what he says. Because, well, the second I walked in the room, he started talking about, like, Bigfoot, Dogman, that kind of stuff. And that is directly up my alley of interest. So, uh, and my brother has actually claimed to see the Beast of Ray Road. So I'm very interested to hear what you got. So I actually live in Wisconsin, too. And there was actually one kind of close to the... um, 
south of, um, I think it's south of Broadhead. There was some Bigfoot sightings at one time. I'm not sure if that's <coughs> Road One or not. Uh, well, it kind of depends on what you believe it's necessarily. Walworth County is where oh. Beast of Bray Road is. Yeah. It kind of depends on where your line between Dogman and Bigfoot really lies. All right, that's more towards Lake Geneva then. Well, and then you know there's also a lot of sightings where they see a Bigfoot creature and then they also see UFOs in mm-hmm. the vicinity. Uh, there seems They're to synonymous. be linked somehow. Um, and then also the Bigfoot creatures tend to disappear, kind of appear and reappear, almost like they can trans translocate or something like that there's some kind of spiritual doorways they can they can exit where they're gone I've heard kind of like stepping between dimensions almost where they can kind of like phase in and out of like our reality sure. the third dimension so to or speak or maybe a portal portal so, oh. Port- oh we're big on portals here yeah portals okay. is that's our love language um, so I mean you know unfortunately I mean, the story I was telling was really about my wife at the time she lived in Boscobel and she had a, a lot of spiritual things growing up to her um so there was you know i knew there was some kind of uh i don't want to say it wasn't because of what she did it was her family life and stuff that there was demonic things attached to her generational generational curses Mm -hmm. generational uh tags that they're they stick you with and they kind of follow you around um sometimes so i told her i said you know that if you see something the alien that looks like an alien it's in a saucer or whatever it's not what people think it is i said there's a spiritual aspect to it and they will not like one name you can mention god but you cannot mention jesus because they will not like it at all so she actually was one of those times where there was like a 12 inch uh snowfall that day or that night and she was out shoveling for hours and that's when I was still living in Illinois where um, but they uh, she said she shook her head and pointed her finger at, at the sky and said in the name of Jesus I curse you for you you fallen ones for teaching men how to manipulate weather and she went out in her backyard and stamped out the name Jesus in the snow oh my gosh and how, how did they react to that? So what happened was she lived on the main drag in Boscobel, in the city of Boscobel, Wisconsin. And she saw flashing lights in the middle of the night. And she thought, oh, that's the police. They pulled somebody over. She's on one of the main drags um, that goes parallel to the Wisconsin River. <clears throat> and then she noticed that the flashing was coming from her backyard. And did she say, like, was it just, like, white light? Was there, like, colors to the light? I, you know, I don't know. I never asked her that. You know, that's why, it would, you know, this is kind of a third hand, but I did ask her. So she said she was scared. She looked out the window, and she saw a saucer that had landed in her backyard. Oh, it actually literally, landed. It literally landed. And she was scared. She was hiding behind the couch. She went out in the living room and hid behind the couch. And... She heard something coming through. There were there were two doors coming from the kitchen. There was a there was a screen door, and then there was also um, you know a freezer out there, and then uh, a solid door with windows in it. And she was just petrified, and she heard something come through the doors. It didn't break the doors. It just like walked through. She heard footsteps in the in the kitchen. 
she was petrified. She heard in her mind or, you know, almost like an audible voice, close your eyes. So she closed her eyes. I think it was God speaking to her. She would have been petrified. I, mean, I would. Yeah. Yeah, this, is, this, this almost seems reminiscent of the Kentucky Goblin story where they landed in the backyard and then approached the house and tried to get into the house. But okay. it, So when she says it walked through the door, it's almost like it phased through the like door. Phased through it. I yeah. think something like that. It just walked through. It didn't damage, didn't do anything. It just walked through the doors, but she could hear the footsteps coming through the kitchen. And I'm assuming she didn't see it. She did not see it because she had Close her eyes very tightly Good call. Uh, shut. Yeah. And all she did is she said, Jesus, Jesus over and over again and she heard it doing about face in the kitchen and walk out those doors and when she looked she saw it she saw the I think she didn't look right away like it was going in the saucer but she saw the saucer was gone after a few minutes wow and I I told her I said she said I don't know what that was about I said it was a technician coming to find out you know what disturbance in the force you created by Putting a word curse on them, and also stamping out the name of Jesus that can be seen from above. What I think is just what's so compelling about that particular story is most UFO stories I've heard that I find to be credible, they're terrified. Like it isn't something where like people see it and they want to talk about it or they want to like brag about it. It's something that like shakes them to their core and it, may, it like it's a deep primal fear that they get. And also, the, you know, speaking the Lord's name over these things is something that not a lot of people talk about. But what I've seen is very compelling and powerful when it's used against these types of people. Definitely. Well, I want to add to that, since you brought that up. About a year or two later, her neighbor, she's still living in the same house at the time. And the neighbor um, had his two grown cousins. They're in their 60s, early 60s. At, at his house and she, my wife and her son just came back from watching I don't know if it was Perced meteor showers it was somewhere in the fall because it was a harvest moon and there was some kind of meteor shower and they went out on this this desolate road that's north of Boscobel um, something hollow uh, I want to say Graham Hollow or something like that that sounds right but what they did is they were watch, out there watching um, the meteor shower and the in the full the harvest moon or whatever it was, and uh, when they came back it was eleven o'clock, and the neighbor called her over there and they were over there talking and and she was just saying yeah we just came back from I believe it was Graham Hollow Road, and uh, the neighbor said well I could tell you some pretty wild stories about we we lived out there as kids and she said when my Father would go to uh, work second shift. Many times, a uh, saucer would come down and take us out through the front door, levitate them to the saucer, and they'd go up to a mothership. And, you know, she was thinking that it's called the, the, um, the Space Brother story. They give it over here to help humanity, and, but at the same time, they're taking her eggs or doing experiments. Mm -hmm. And she's, you know, she said, uh, there are, she admitted that they took her eggs. And my wife said, well, what happened to me, the difference is I use the name of Jesus. And she said, yes, that's a closely guarded secret. Kind of to bounce off what you were saying. Mm -hmm. there, people aren't supposed to know that that will stop an abduction or any, even an abduction 
is often stopped by the name of Jesus. That's become more commonplace. Yeah. It's like people are, are starting to share that and make that connection, right. believe it or not. Um, there's a lady that we've listened to a lot about the hat man, but she has a lot of like alien encounters. And she said that like, that she would get these different encounters and when there was good ones and there were bad ones. And she said, when you spoke the name of Jesus, they left, they hated that. And that's kind of become like in the kind of paranormal circles, like that people are making the connection that there mm-hmm. is like that the name of Jesus does repel them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it is becoming more and more commonplace. And I think it's starting to make people realize like, hmm, maybe we're not dealing with extraterrestrials, but like right. ultra terrestrials. There you go. That's, that's not my word. I didn't come up with that. Well, it's it sort of cool though. In the uh, in the documentary that Jimbo had sent us at the end, they make a point to say that you know we're not talking about upper terrestrials. We're talking about outer terrestrials. So we're talking about things that are within the same plane that we are within kind of the same playing field that we exist in. You know, maybe under the ocean as well, or above underground, above us and below us. Yeah, not above us, not above us. Uh, outer space. Uh, there is no outer space. Um, there's a firmament over us. Rockets have been seen hitting the firmament. We call it the dome. Uh, SpaceX has done it several times. Um, Operation Fishbowl. Op- strange names, by the way. <laughs> Operation Dominic. And those two together, it's Fishbowl of the Lord. And uh, right after uh, Admiral Byrd had told about the continent in Antarctica that is bigger than the United States with more resources than anybody could believe, he died shortly after that. And also the Antarctic Treaty was signed shortly after that. Now, are you referring to Hyperborea? No. Okay. No. But... um, Right after that, Operation Fishbowl, Dominic, commenced. Uh, It was Russia and America, and they were shooting what they call nuclear warheads at the dome. And there's video of it, too. You could see it hitting something and, like, like splattering. You can see the outline of the dome. Yeah. Well, and that's something I had seen earlier in the videos we were watching is that you see where rockets hit, you know, if, if, if we're talking about the firmament as like a real physical thing, they hit the firmament and it's almost like a ship with the waves in the water where you kind of see it behind that. Yeah. Where it's almost kind of scraping across. Yeah, it's like a boat. Like uh, the surface of the water. In the water. Yeah. And there was also one where these guys, I, I forget what it was, but they sent like an unedited shot of like a rocket shooting from the ground. And yeah, I'll tell you what that get, is. It almost seems to get stuck. Like it's kind of just like... It hits something and then it's kind of stuck there. Yeah, that was uh, the Go Fast rocket. It was an amateur rocket, but you know when we say amateur, like no, this this costs a lot of money for them to put this on. When you say amateur, you don't mean like funded by NASA or oh no no SpaceX anything right. Like it was that. funded by private individuals. Obviously, they had a lot of money because I mean. We're not going to do that. Yeah, was, rockets aren't cheap. Yeah. It was a very expensive rocket, what they yeah, sent I think it went up. up like 25 miles or something, they said, right? No, it went up 73 miles before awesome. it hit. And when it hit, it sounded like uh, like uh, something hitting a bowl of jello, kind of like, you know. Like a thud. Yeah. And uh, since then, NASA has said, oh, that's the... Uh, 
That's the yo-yo uh, stop spin <laughs> mechanism. They had to come up with something. Some, just something that sounds kind of silly to pass. Right, and that's what they do. They always just move the goal, the, the globe post further back when we find something that they've done. Yeah, wasn't a moon seen part of the shot where it was supposed to be over Australia? Well, okay, so, so what happened when it was stuck up there, whatever it was in, and I'll explain that a little bit, but whatever it was in, it was turning. It didn't explode, but then you see the... The, the first stage rocket drop, you can hear that. And it was turning, and they're over Arizona. And you could see the sun, you could see uh, the surface of the earth going concave and, and convex. And I'll explain how, what, what, that, what that means. But uh, as it was turning, you could see the sun then all of a sudden you could see the moon in the distance. But the moon was over Australia at this time, which is the other side of the earth, the ball. And so you should not have been able to see that. So that was kind of a, like a, I guess you call it like a, like a slip in production, like something that they didn't edit properly or like set up properly. No, because the, I don't think the company or whoever did that cared about that. You know, they didn't think the average person would like pick up on that. Right, right. But they showed the whole thing unedited. And you could see the the earth going like this, round and this way. And by the way, the only way that I could do that, I mean, if if you got a lens and you show a ball, it cannot go this way unless it's actually flat. If it's an actual ball, it'll be that way all the time. It may, you know, straighten a little bit, but it will never go that way. Well, it was a... But with a fisheye lens, it will do that. Yeah, it was a fisheye lens, which it does. You can do that even when you're fishing. If you take your camera, your GoPro uh, camera out there, I mean, it'll do the same thing out on the lake. So, I mean... And it was a a fisheye lens, there's no doubt about it, because of that. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and they want to get as wide a view as possible while they're up there, you know. Right. Um... Well, you can still see that. Uh, last time I looked on YouTube, maybe a couple of years ago. Oh, you can pull it up anytime you want. Go, it's still there. The whole thing's yeah. there. With... I saw it today. Matter of fact, if you go to the Flat Earth app, it's on there. I was looking at several things on the Flat Earth app today. You have to send me these things so I can watch them. Yeah, definitely. I'll send you the the link. And uh, What is the Flat Earth app called? I didn't know there was an app for this. Okay, well, first <laughs> of all. There's an app for everything. Man. Well, let, yeah, of course. But. Let me give credit to Dave Weiss, David Weiss, Flat Earth Dave, Flat Earth Man. He loves that name, by the way. Does he? Yeah. His site is uh, flatearthdave.com. And um, he's the one that put this app together with, with a very intelligent guy from India. Costs a lot of money to put this app together. It's really an amazing app. Cost him about ten thousand dollars a month to run this app. Jeez. But uh, anybody can get this app. It's two dollars and ninety nine cents one time fee for life. If you want to be a subscriber, it's eleven dollars a year, and then you communicate with other flat earthers. That's how I met Steve. Yeah, I think it's called the Sun, Moon, and Zodiac app. On yeah, it's called the Blue Flat Water, Earth Blue Water Bay. Yeah, Blue Water right. Bay. There's there's a there's a, a clone which is bogus and they always do stuff like that but it's called flat earth uh sun moon and zodiac clock app by blue water bay you want to make sure it's blue water bay blue water bay two dollars and 99 cents and it'll 
bypass all of the AI algorithm that bans all the videos on YouTube and Google. You could literally put a search on Google or YouTube for one of Dave's videos or several, I mean, there's literally tens of thousands of videos now. Any one of those videos, and you will get um, the wiki thing that says, oh, that's an archaic belief that's been disproven, blah, blah, blah. And um, you will not get what you're searching for. You put it in verbatim. I yeah I I foolishly looked on normal YouTube and I, sh- I usually use DuckDuckGo especially when I'm searching for things. Yeah, that's usually my go-to. DuckDuckGo is just as bad. It is. What? Yes. No. Sometimes. It's also it controlled. Uh, if you want a site that's less controlled, uh, Yandex.com. Yandex. All right. That's, yeah, but yeah, Adam's notating. Well, that's what kind of threw yeah. me for a loop was when I first started, you know, hearing about the flat Earth. Uh, I went online, you know, to get some information, and I was directed to uh, the Flat Earth Society. Yes. Oh, and yeah. I started, I've been all over the world, you know, and I've calculated my distance, you know, and I, they had maps on there, so I'm like, well, you know, if it's flat, they shouldn't line up with my, with my routes that I took to the Philippines or Korea or China, and it wasn't adding up. I'm like, well, this is bogus, you know, and I put it aside for a while, and then we were, um, we were doing a rally in Madison um, about the jab, Back then, uh, the anti-jab thing. By out the there. way, don't mention stuff like that. Okay. <laughs> we don't want to get canceled. <laughs> well, make, make it a funny. Well, we, we, the, we, the more things you say, the more disclaimers I have to. Yeah, make. don't get banned. <laughs> don't, don't ban the video because of All that. Right. Well, we were doing a, a walk, uh, I think, to the governor's mansion, and uh, we passed by a high school, and there was a couple of uh, young guys out there passing out pamphlets about flat Earth, and they were Christian guys, and I took their pamphlet, I looked at it, and I'm like, these guys are full of crap, you know, and started talking to them. I said, you know what, it's hard enough to get people to believe in God, and, you know, and then you got to throw a flat earth in there, and, you know, really throw them for a loop. I'm, so I started arguing with them, and then <clears throat> what they made, well, you know, they started talking to me, and what they said made sense, but I'm like, no, no, you know, something's not adding up here. So I did some research on my own, and like I said, I went to the Flat Earth Society and got some disinformation, and it took me about another few months, and it kept popping up on my feed, you know, the flat earth. What the heck, you know? So I dug deeper and deeper, and, um, Finally, I started, you know, thinking about the stars and the, um, the astronomy and how ridiculous, you know, the heliocentric model is. And what really got me was um, when I looked at uh, the North Star and when they say that we have a tilt for the seasons, that North Star, you know, should be moving with the tilt theoretically since it's always staying at the North Pole. Um, and that really, that was the first thing that I think uh, really caught my eye, like, how, oh, you know. Yeah, Polaris that, never moves. Yeah, Polaris yeah. has a move, never you know. Will and, move. and you look at uh, Josephus and different writers, you know, the the stars never moved. And here we got a wobbling, you know, Earth supposedly spinning at, you know, a thousand miles an hour, going through yeah. Earth or going through space at like five hundred thousand miles, shifting sideways at a million miles an hour, and all the stars are shifting their way at a million miles an hour and chasing the sun at sixty six thousand miles. And it's like, can I expand on that when he's done? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, you done? No. Well. Keep going. <laughs> you done? <laughs> so that, that was kind of my journey, you know, when I realized that you know the heliocentric model wasn't adding up, and even as a kid, you know, nothing made sense. Like, how can we see stars that are a million miles away when you know I can't even see across a cornfield, you know, that's got a light at the end of it. So that was kind of. And you wanted to expand on that? But, yeah. But, okay. 
Um, <laughs> well, I just want to expand on that because just recently, if you are familiar with the uh, Georgia Guidestones, mm-hmm. yes, that was destroyed. Middle of the night, it got hit with, I don't know, rocket propelled grenade or whatever. Well, so, what's so interesting about that is you they have yeah. security footage of like a car driving up to it, but they for some reason can't catch the license plate. They weren't able to catch the face of anybody that did it. You know, one of yeah. those. Oh, it was just random hoodlums that did it. You know. Yeah, it came from the dark. The shot, whatever it was, they did have the video on it. But uh, there was a, a one of the stones, and and by the way, these are really tall stones. I, I don't know. I've never been there, but they look to be about maybe. <laughs> 20, 25 feet tall, maybe more, I don't know. And it's like a Stonehenge type thing. Mm-hmm. It's not something that some uh, weekenders are going to put together. It's, it's weird. These are, you know, tens of thousands of pounds, uh, tons. Uh, this was moved by, you know, very big, heavy equipment. Anyway, they were set up like this, two here, two here, and then one on top. And they were inscribed with... Uh, in se- I think it's seven different languages that uh, about only 500 million people should reside on the face of the earth and, you know, much, much more than that. But like these weird laws that man should abide by to like, yeah. continue the species. Yeah, exactly. 500 million people should. And it was erected by, you know, some anonymous guy, R.C. Christian. Oh, yeah. And people say it's Freemasons. People right. say it's the Illuminati. It's all this other stuff, right. you know. Nobody knows who that is, but it was erected in the 80s, I believe it was. And now these stones, <clears throat> you know, like I say, they, they're a lot of ton of stone in the, these granite stones. They, they might have been about this wide, 25 feet tall, 8, 9 feet wide, whatever. I don't know all the dimensions. But in one of the stones, there was a, a hole about that big drilled through. And you could see Polaris every night. Polaris is the North Star, by the way. Every night, through that little hole, for the past 40 years, if that thing was there 400 years, the North Star would still be in that hole. And we were starting to have people use that as a flat earth proof, and all of a sudden it got destroyed. And rather than, it wasn't completely destroyed either, but they mowed that thing down so fast and got rid of all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So they're totally gone now. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Nothing left. Interesting. In fact, remember, they keep saying that it's a ever-expanding universe. They say the Big Bang is in the middle and everything's expanding out. Well, if it's expanding out at a crazy rate, why are all the stars still the same? Why is Polaris not moved like far? Yeah, there's no the parallax. Like the Greeks saw. Correct. Every Correct. night those stars will be the same. They do change for the seasons. You know, the, the fall... Uh, winter, yeah. spring, the, the and summer, they will be in a shift. different position. But, you know, the sky is basically, I didn't mean to interrupt you here, but the sky is a clock. The stars keep track of the, the seasons, the time of year. The uh, sun keeps the time of day, and the moon keeps the time of month. And it's, it's like a Swiss watch. It's perfect. It's always the same. And, uh, you know, on, on a flat earth, you could use a, a sundial and actually tell time with that. If we were a spinning ball, there's no way a, uh, a uh, sun, sundial would work. Well, and I guess I, guess I kind of want to address sort of an elephant in the room about the flat earth topic. So a lot of times flat earth conspiracy is also tied in with like NASA conspiracy. So 
I suppose my biggest question, and then my question for people who maybe aren't very familiar with Flat Earth that are listening to the program, what, how do I want to put it, what purpose does NASA serve in this conspiracy to keep the, to keep the public believing that the Earth is round? And then what, da- what danger is there inherently in us having a general knowledge that the Earth is flat that seems so dangerous that they don't want us to know that? Like, why is this information so, like, safeguarded and there's such a huge... Uh, you could call it the one of the most expensive productions of all time, I guess, by NASA to try to convince yeah. people that the Earth is round. So what what is this? Why is it so important? Like why is it yeah. it's so important for NASA to the make why, us believe this the standard science? The biggest lie in history of the world is outer space and the globe. What does it hide? It hides God, and it makes the people that believe that they live on a globe more malleable to believe whatever they bring down the pike. Uh, it's a fear system. An asteroid's gonna hit us. Uh, we're gonna run out of water. We're running out of land. Um, the sky's gonna fall. The sun's gonna burn out. It's, it's a fear system. Right. And um, it makes you believe, you know, you, you take the flat earth, which we, we don't know how big it is. It's, it's a, an expanse. We think it may be unlimited. But you take our realm with the ice wall and you turn it into a ball. Now you've made a prison. There's nowhere else to go. This is it. So people are fearful. Oh, we're going to destroy the earth with our breath, with our garbage, whatever. And what they fail to realize is God set this in motion and we cannot destroy it. We could set off nuclear bombs all over the place. It would not destroy what's here. He created it as a self-perpetuating center of the known universe. We are the center of the universe. This is it. All life that is in this universe resides here. That's it. And so we're talking about also like what people would consider extraterrestrials. They also exist in this Absolutely. Same plane. And any type of cryptid, any type of spiritual thing we're talking, this all exists in one single plane. Absolutely. They may be underground. They may be under the ocean, but they're all here. And, um, you know, people think of extraterrestrials coming from other planets, wherever, you know. Light years away. Yeah. The closest star is 25 trillion year, light years away. I believe that's what it is. Yeah, Alfred Century. Yeah. If you were to take a spaceship and go one mile per second for a trillion seconds, you know how, how long a trillion seconds is? No. I'm going to guess a long-ass time. Any of you guys know 33,000 years, approximately. 31,000 years. Just to get from here to a star. Oh, no. No, that's a quarter. We haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> oh, okay. That's 1 25th of the way to the closest star. Good Lord. 25 light years. You only have 25 more sections to go on that trip. And each one is 31,000 years. At a mile a second, which nobody's ever gone that fast... It's impossible that we're, we're talking impossible distances, you know, but for the outer lands, 
which uh, there's there's ancient maps that show all kinds of continents out there. Um, people have different theories theories about that. And think about it. What what is what is terrestrial? Land. Yeah. Earth. yeah. So what is extra? Beyond. Extra land. <clears throat> and where are these so-called aliens coming from? Outer space. The outer space. The outer spaces. So it's very possible they could be coming from outer lands that they don't want us to see. Now, let me just expand on that a little bit. There is a uh, app that's a cargo app. It, it shows cargo ships and where they're going and supposedly what their manifest is and everything like that. There were a couple of ships that were seen on that app 500 miles inside of Antarctica. How did they get there? What are they doing there? And there's an island um, called Sarabachi, I think it is. I, I may have butchered that name. Uh, but none of you have heard of it, because I never heard of it. No. It's a little uh, sandbar in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, and they say it's an extremely important trade route. It's like in the middle of nowhere. China recently gave them $25 billion. America gave them, I don't know how many billions, but they say it's a, a very important trade route. What, where are they, what are they doing inside of Antarctica 500 miles, and how did they get through an ice wall? Why are there so many people interested in Antarctica? Yes. Yeah, and why so do politicians go down there on a regular so basis? So many ties to it. It's interesting. Well, Antarctica baffles me. Well, because it's also perpetuated, you know, by modern science as this uninhabitable land. It's this place where it's just cold. There's nothing there that you need to worry about. You know, exactly. It's, it's just ice. Right. And you can take. Well, I saw that on the video. You can take tours of like parts of it, but not all. Yeah, of it. that's a little peninsula you can go to. You can get a tour down there, and people think, uh, as you remember the last time, Antarctica is closed. Yep, that was. You can get a tour down there. It'll cost you about ten thousand dollars if you if you get the approval to go. And um, it's about a three, five day trip down there, and you get to go to this little peninsula, which is you know, a speck of dust on the size of Antarctica. Yeah, and they'll take you to an island called Deception Island. Yeah. It's pretty close to the Rothschild Island that's down there as yeah. well. There's a Rothschild Island down there? Rothschild, Rothschild Island and Deception there. Island. Yeah. <laughs> it's called Deception Island. It's kind of like you're just throwing it in your face at them. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know. So, okay. One thing about this that I have always just, you know, as a round earther, sorry. Um, where does Don't this, be shy. I know. Where does this, how does this, like, you know, like, to me, a planet and then, you know, more planets and beyond in space, that all makes sense to me. The flat part confuses me because I'm like, is this like, like a game board? Like a, like a terrarium? Like a disc, kind of? Like, how, where does it exist in beyond? Like, if you were to go beyond it, like, if you were to go higher than this and look at it, does it exist in a universe? No. Where does it sit? Think of or think you of can our, only get so high, by the way. Yeah. Can you get so far, though? Think of a snow globe. Yeah, yeah well, so it's flat in the bottom and round on the top. Well, at least we think, but we don't know how far the dome goes. I mean, well, that's because you had mentioned that it's the idea of how far Earth can go. It, so like it, it is, yeah, it, is, it might we, be we unlimited. Don't we don't yeah. really know. Um, not to mention the ancient maps that show 
other things. I know of one that was found in Hawaii about 100 years ago. Uh, there's 30-some continents around our realm outside of the ice wall that we know and I, I've seen these maps that you're talking about yeah. like I, obviously I can't say like oh yeah. this, this, this and this map but I've seen these maps where it's like you kind of talked about like a prison sort of where like yeah. here's the continents here's the oceans and stuff like that but then here's you know yeah. like you said 30 plus I've seen like 50 plus sometimes continents outside of what we yeah. consider to be the standard map yeah well like f- for the yeah. most part like I have a hard time wrapping my head around flat earth the one thing that always gets me is the Admiral Bird stuff yeah that's that's to me that always like sits really awful with me and I'm like yeah. that man saw something right and there's actual videos of him yeah I watched black I watched and white it. from the 50s talking about I've seen those yeah his it's son kind of his son had had a mysterious death too I mean his son well Admiral Bird died at the age of 68 his son also died at the age of 68 um, he was on his way to I think a National Geographic convention in Washington Washington D.C. or Baltimore somewhere out there and. He didn't show up. He didn't show up for his um, interview. And a couple of weeks later, they ended up finding this guy who was in a warehouse. Somebody reported him. They thought he was a vagabond or something. And he was Admiral Bird's son. Yeah. I, I, read, I, I, I saw a video on that, too. And it's kind of interesting because he had the diary of his father. But after he passed away, I'm not sure all the details, but somehow an author got a hold of his diary. And this other this author had made 20, 30 books about aliens and alien abductions. And so it's almost like he took Admiral Byrd's son's diary and kind of embellished the whole story, or at least a lot of it, I think, and put this whole alien concept to kind of intrigue, you know, people into the whole Admiral Byrd story and kind of shift them away from any sort of truth and just put them in this mindset of believing in, you know, these aliens and extraterrestrials that are out beyond Antarctic, which, you know, I... I don't know what your religious beliefs are, but you know I think they're demons as well. Um, they've got demonic, um, just you know the de- demons are basically de- yeah the aliens are just basically demons. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Aleister Crowley. Oh yeah, but uh, he you he are. summoned yeah. up a, yeah he summoned up a portal and brought in this a, uh, this demon through the portal. Lamb. Lamb. Yep, and then he drew a picture of it, and if you look at the picture, it's just exactly it's you a know, gray what alien. You, alien yeah. What you would think a you know, an alien. Back up like, a little there, please. He pulled something. What happened to that guy that found that diary? I am not sure about that one, but I, I just... believe somebody threw him out a window of a hotel. The guy that put that diary. Somebody. I know, I know who well, you're talking well, about. Well, the guy, the guy that wrote the book, um, I can't remember what the name of the book was, but there's a book out there, and it's about Admiral Byrd being in Antarctic, and it was supposedly based on the diary. Um, I so I'm not sure how the author got a hold of that diary, but yeah. I think he wrote more books after. Okay, well, uh, something happened. Something strange happened to that guy, supposedly, that took that diary. I'm not quite sure. Are these guys Navy or are these Air Force? You know, I'm, I'm real uh, sketchy on that, but I just kind of remember no, I, David I'm, Weiss saying something about what happened to that guy. Because when the Air Force is involved, I always... So I have nervous. to say... Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I'm not real sure about that, Okay. Yeah, no, no, no. That's fine. I'll look more into it though. Because I've heard some. There's a documentary that I I tell everyone about, Above Majestic. Mm-hmm. If you've ever watched that one, no, I have dude, not. that one lays everything out for you. The Majestic Twelve. Yeah, oh, yeah. It talks about everything. Yeah. Above Maj- It talks literally anything. I've never seen a documentary that like 
has so much it starts with like Oppenheimer mm-hmm. and the and that's kind of like when everything started with like the extraterrestrial okay. well I mean that's when we became aware like aware of it but no culturally uh, it's forever and Werner von Braun was one of the Nazi scientists that they mm-hmm. brought over to really jumpstart our space program so well, he founded NASA didn't he he was yeah instrumental in that because he was yeah. a V two rocket guy. Well, that that and um, what's his name? Uh, Jack Parsons. Yes, no Jack. And Parsons. Walt Disney, by yes. the way, mm-hmm. was in on it. And Jack Parsons, thirty third Mason, a real oh, yeah. mm-hmm. a real strong background in the occult. He was huge in the occult. Yes, Club thirty three, by the way, with Alistair, Walt Disney. Yes, with Aleister Crowley in the um Al, Al Ron Hubbard all those Ron guys Hubbard yeah yeah Scientology. Exactly. But he exactly. was he was yeah Jack Parsons like pretty much invented like the early rocket pu- propulsion yeah to but they stole his until idea until he blew himself to bits but like yeah he was a heavy occultist but like yeah and not Did to sound hear, by the way I'm sorry go ahead finish no all I was gonna say is that like the early the early NASA founders were occultists and yeah. Freemasons well, and, that's and Nazis so, that, that's what I think sorry to say the word Nazis did you but, hear oh, that's true did you hear about the uh, satanic ritual they did out in the desert which L. one which Ron Hubbard. yeah which one exactly? <laughs> yeah. I don't know <laughs> L. Hubbard and uh, I don't know if Walt Disney was there but supposedly um there was a term for that. What was that? Supposedly, there was a baby that was brought out of this, and uh, demonic. And supposedly, this demon is called Hilarion. Interesting. I haven't heard of this. Yeah. Hillary. Hilarion. Yeah, supposedly don't get she us was canceled, the baby. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know, right? I don't know. We're not Alex <laughs> Jones. We don't have more than one way. Yeah. <laughs> That's Margaret's one rule: no Alex Jones. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of sketchy as to how it all. I, actually, I got some videos on it, which would tell you more about it. You ever hear of Justin Fall? I have not. Okay, yeah, I got. But it. I know they're all interested in getting things unlocked. I know. I heard about some presidential candidates that were trying to get. Alien, like secret alien documentation unlocked. Yeah, this will be another like episode for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's another yeah, episode. That was even Jimmy Carter. Going yeah. Back to yeah. Jimmy Carter's time. Eisenhower. I mean, even Kennedy talked about wanting yeah. about like UFOs was and it, space yeah. programs. Was it Eisenhower so. that met with Allegedly. Them? Allegedly. Yeah. There's a video that was put together by the Fall Brothers, and it's called Belly of the Beast. And we'll talk more about that sometime in the future. It's unbelievable. It's weird. Bizarre. It's weird. You gotta watch above majestic. All the stuff you talked about. In I'll it. check that out. But like, yeah, no, I mean, but that makes sense that like L. Ron Hubbard and all those guys, because uh, the Thelma, Thelma, yes, that's mm-hmm. all. It's like the basis of it is sex magic, yes. Yes. and mm-hmm. there's a lot of weird stuff. Yeah. And like, yeah, when I found out about Jack Parsons, I was like, yeah, what? This guy was like young. He well, was super young, being in contact yeah. with like, like. Was during World War II, like the the Nazis were trying to get a hold of him. Like the yeah. Nazi scientists were like, "You know more than most people, and we don't understand right. how you know it." So, this could turn into a ten hours. I'll tell you one. Yeah. My head is my <laughs> wheels are yeah. going right now yeah. with different things. So let's get back. NASA wants well, me out. Going. Kind of to bring it back to the NASA point. Yeah. You know, I think it's very interesting that a lot of you know we're talking about how these NASA scientists came from Nazi backgrounds. And the Nazis were also very interested in the occult. So, oh, yeah. in your guys' opinion, is there some sort of connection there that when you know the Nazi scientists came to NASA, suddenly NASA is oh, perpetuating this 
yeah uh, this smoke and mirror show right. for everybody yeah. like the, do, you, do you believe that they may have tapped into some knowledge that we don't know about today or oh yeah you know do you think 100 percent 100 percent well i mean what at what point do you th- do you think that do you think the Nazi and this is going to be a crazy thought? Do you think the Nazis may have had contact with people outside of the ice walls? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I believe yeah, so. Yeah, they, they set up a base down there. In well, and I ask this stuff, and I want to say this as a disclaimer for the show. I'm not asking any of this to glorify any type of Nazi belief. You know, we're not here to do that. We're we're not sure. talking about that. No, no, no. What I'm talking about is specifically the scientific advancements that the Nazis were making because. There genuinely was a fear at the time that the Nazis were so scientifically advanced that they could create weapons that would help them win the war, like the sounding bell and stuff like that. I know yeah. it's the most popular one people so talk about. So I would recommend a book by Joseph Carr, C-A-R-R. He was an electrical engineer, actually from Rockford. He spent some time in Rockford, too. Um, he wrote a book called The Twisted Cross, all about Hitler and the Nazis, and specifically how entrenched they were with the occult. In fact, all the SS officers, to be an SS officer, you had to go through a, an occult ritual at, um, I can't remember the name of the castle, but it's you know the, the one from Doom. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. that Wolfenstein or whatever. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. About that, uh, the castle that the SS actually had their, their dealings there. So Wolfenstein might have a little bit of truth to it. I don't think it's called. Yeah, I don't think it's called Wolfenstein, but it's based based on reality. Well, no, yeah, that's no Wolfenstein is the game yes. series where the Nazis dealt with the occult Correct. and they won the war and stuff yes. like that. Yeah. So, so there, there actually, there actually is a very heavy um, occult background with Adolf Hitler. It talks about him going into you know when he get in those rants and raves, he, mm-hmm. he couldn't sleep at night. Remember on on the morning of Normandy, they didn't want to wake Hitler. Uh, Joseph Carr goes into that. About the reason is he couldn't sleep at night. He was, he would, he had SS guys outside his door, and they heard, oftentimes they'd hear him yelling, and shouting, non-Germanic phrases. And the question was, were these words of power he was trying to um, control the demons that he had summoned? And he was t- terrified. He would scream and yell, and there he is in the corner. He's in the corner. Do you see him? And the SS guards would say, No, we don't see anything. So there was, you know, he had he was over his head really, you know, because you, the the demonic realm, you they'll pretend like they're helping you, and but they're actually you're you're under them. You're not as smart as they are. Well, and we've we've talked about when I've been on the show before about how demons will disguise themselves as like children sometimes or something to get you to trust them more just some sort of inherent form to get you to kind of be like oh i'm safe around them and open get your guard down a little bit right an interesting thing about that is some of the books of the bible that they had before the time of constantine which they've taken out talks about how these demons projected themselves as humans Um, there's a book about solomon where solomon was trying to find out how he was going to die and he summoned this demon to try to you know get information about the future and long story short, the demon ended up tricking Solomon somehow and ousting him out of power and making him look like a vagabond while the demon was in power. And all the people saw this demon as Solomon. And in order for Solomon to regain his power, um, he had learned that the demon couldn't... There was some aspect about the human body anatomy that the demon wasn't able to replicate. So what they did was they had one of Solomon's um, wives go in under the demon basically and say you know does this 
feature on the on Solomon look like this or does it look like human? And when the wife came back and reported that it was demonic looking, you know, they realized that they were dealing with something other than Sol King Solomon. Uh, I can't remember the name of the the book, but you could probably look it up. It's an apocrypha of Solomon. Mm -hmm. um, and it also goes, um, there's a what, the book of Jasher, I believe, where Abraham was taking Isaac to the mountain and Satan kept disguising himself as different people. Pers um, there was, a, I think, disguised himself as a young man to try to trick Isaac. Um, he tried to disguise himself as, a, I think, an old man to try to trick um, Abraham and just different things like that where all those books about demons portraying humans were basically taken out of the Bible along with, you know, other aspects of those books that they didn't like either with the Nephilim and, and such. But it's just interesting where, you know, these demons can portray humans so easily in these other books that they happen to take out. Well, and I guess that kind of raises a question. So, you know, you had mentioned that, you know, the earth is possibly this limitless expanse where we don't know the end to and these, you know, these other and if we want to believe these extraterrestrials are demonic in nature why do we have to summon them to be seen because we talked about how Aleister Crowley summoned one to see it we're talking about how King Solomon summoned one so that he could see it why is it that we can't just see these beings plainly why do they have to be summoned from outside of these uh, you know if, if we want to call them from outside of the ice wall these extraterrestrials why do we have to do these rituals to summon them why can't we just see them as plainly as we can see each other around this table right now I'm not sure why why do they why why are the Satanists into killing people to get more power? I don't know. Uh it's demonic. You know, and I, I have a feeling that they're they're not allowed to communicate with us unless we do summon them. I think there's different levels of demons too. There's uh, Nephilim, which are basically wandering spirits now. Um there's the actual demons which you know, and then there's the watchers. Um Back in Vietnam, they developed a night vision goggle mm -hmm. that was completely in red spectrum rather I've than green. I've heard about this, yeah. And a lot of the troops would see demonic creatures when they would put this apparatus on their head, and uh, they start firing away, trying to kill these beings. And their their uh, superiors were asking questions like, "What are you doing? You know, you're shooting at another helicopter. You're shooting at another person." And like, "Well, I don't you see that over there?" And, right. Um, yeah, wildly firing out the side of the. So I think a lot of these demons are actually. Demons. A lot of these demons are actually here. We just can't see them because our eyes see in a green spectrum, and I there's like a level of our vision. You know, our light vision only sees this much when the whole spectrum is like this big. You know, and we can't see over here, over here. We can only see this narrow, this narrow spectrum of light. Yeah, kind so of, uh, a la, they live. Yo, man, put these yeah. on, put these on. <laughs> I, so, it's such a good movie. Like, I feel like there's so much truth to that movie. I know. Oh, yeah. So I, I think uh, John Carpenter was trying to tell us something. Yeah. Yeah, John Carpenter, yeah. Well, I mean, sure. obviously, if you get into, you know, the knowledge of the Hollywood elites and stuff like that, like, oh, they yeah. have a much deeper knowledge and things that they try to show us through commercial films and things like yeah. that. Yeah, well, they're all nations. <laughs> They're all Masons. Uh, mm -hmm. We're ruled by Mason, Masons, the whole world. <clears throat> Every government is... They're, they're in the Illuminati. They're the man behind the man behind the throne. Yeah, I call it the worldwide church of Satan because it really is. It's 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 very evil. Well, and I, I so I'm going to go on a limb for a second, but like like it, I just it, did. Yeah. Well, it reminds. <laughs> doing this whole well, time. it reminds me of like I know Book of Enoch is not supposed to be scripture, but like some of the stuff about the the fallen teaching men technology. Yes. 
it's interesting that we have this advanced technology that can see that stuff. Right. Where did we get that knowledge? We shouldn't have that knowledge. We're not supposed to see right. that. Well, well, they got rid of that right away. Well, it's yeah, also in not in Christianity where they talk about a man receiving knowledge from things beyond, you know, like we talk about Prometheus, the god of fire, right. who introduced fire to mankind and stuff like that. In, I believe it's like... Um, New Guinea or like Madagascar and like the religion they believe down there, you know, they believe that mankind was given all of these tools by, you know, the, the gods from the sky and stuff like that. So there's a lot of, there seems to be a common theme of this forbidden knowledge or inherited knowledge that was passed down from beings that we would consider greater than us or have a, a greater capability or a better understanding yeah. of reality than us. Right. Yeah. They're not gods. False gods. Necessarily, but... Well, they're what our ancestors interpreted as gods because yeah, they, they possess such a greater power. They appear to be gods to us because they do have power that we don't even have a clue uh, yeah. how powerful that is. But, yeah, they're fallen angels. Uh, I, I don't know. There's several categories of fallen angel, demon. So demons and angels, in just based off of what you were telling me, demons, angels, God, devil, all this stuff exists in the same plane of reality as us. I believe so. But there is, based on, you know, what we can perceive with our human eyes and our human mind, just like our vision and stuff like that, is it is it fair to say that, like, you know, God, demons, it's all in this plane, but we, we don't necessarily have the means to see it just with the way we're physically built? Or do you think that's more of a spiritual kind of a veil? Well, they're in a different eyes? dimension. I mean, they could be right here next to us, but you won't be able to see them. It's, it's a, a veil. Like, I call it a veil. Yeah, I would think a veil is better because it's... Um, it's something you can push through, but you can't get through. Right, and sometimes some people can see through. Um, s sometimes children can see things because they're not they're they're not hundred percent not to see things. Mm -hmm. yeah. Later, oh, that's just your imagination. Oh, you don't. That's your imaginary you know, friend. That's you your know. imaginary friend. Maybe it's not your imaginary friend. Maybe, you know, what is your imaginary friend? Well, wait, you shouldn't know about that. Somebody with a higher intelligence is speaking to that three-year-old, mm -hmm. you know. And it's interesting you should mention children because, you know, the Bible mentions like children are closer to, you know, the kingdom of God. I don't know if you know much about the Dead Sea Scrolls, but in the Dead Sea Scrolls there was the book of Adam and Eve 1 and the book of Adam and Eve 2. And after man had sinned, Adam was questioning Eve Look at these bodies we're in. Look at them. Look at the eyes. We used to behold angels with these eyes, and now we got these physical eyes. We can't see the angels. We can't communicate with them anymore. So after man fell, I believe like he, you know, we obtained these physical bodies. We had more of a celestial body before Adam and Eve had sinned, and all the celestial that they had before we don't have anymore. We can't see the celestial anymore. We can't communicate with God or the angels like. Adam and Eve once could. And, but obviously just because we can't see it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I've seen it. Yeah, I saw, I've, I've I saw a watcher things. one time. You did? <laughs> I did. When I was like 15. Elaborate on that. Really? Yeah. Oh, I think, I think I've told that story before. Don't tell it again. I don't know. I remember I didn't know what it was for I was young. But I came home. I would always come home and stand. I've always, always been obsessed with like stars and space and constellations. I love it. <clears throat> but like I would always stand out like I, I came home from like hanging out with friends and I was standing and I saw this thing standing on my roof and it was it, it was very tall and in my mind like I thought it was like like a giant earwig because wow. it had like like what I thought were like pinchers on the top of its head oh, and I just remember saying god what is that and I just remember him saying that's a watcher and I didn't know yeah. what it meant never knew what it meant so like way later, years later, 
when I was like dealing with some stuff, like some demo- really awful, probably some of the worst demonic stuff I ever dealt with. But like, <clears throat> I started looking into like like watchers and you know you know all that stuff. And I saw like a like an artist representation of what they thought a watcher looked like, and I had like yeah. like an angelic being with these huge horns, and I was like, that's what I saw. That's what I saw on my roof. My wife saw one as well. It was a doctor. And she was walking down the hall, and my wife doesn't make stuff up. And she saw this doctor, and she looked, and she looked away, and she was like, oh, my God, and looked back, and he looked normal. But his arms were almost to the ground, and he was demonic looking. But it was only for a flash. My my dad had a, a somewhat similar experience to that. He was actually walking down at the Mississippi bike path over here. Um, and he said that he started looking at people, but all of their eyes looked different. Like he said, it was almost like they kind of had like raccoon paint where it's like they were just very sunken and deep, but like they were like yellow colored. Like all these people had these yellow colored eyes. And he, he always told me that he was a big fan of praying while he walked. So like he would be like in physical motion, but also like mentally, spiritually going through like deep prayer and thought like that. And so he started seeing this and he's like, God, what am I looking at? And God said, you know, these are, these aren't people like you see them as people. Like these are watchers. These are like people that are are here you see them as people but i'm showing you that they're not so they're all around us right they it's are this idea that they're i've never people. seen any of them i've wanted to it would probably scare the heck out of me that's probably why you haven't seen it because god's protecting you from what you could well it's not as scary as you think <laughs> like what? when you're seeing it like like i've seen stuff and i at the time you're not as scared as you think you would be you know, like it's gonna yeah. be like time stands still. Yeah, yeah. Oh, bit. yeah. Like, you're not. You're you, yes, you're not. Like it's like you're not here anymore. You're like maybe seeing. Because I've had a few times where like it's like time stands still, and I'm seeing. I'm like in the same realm as okay. this thing. Well, it's and very I, possible that the veil's thinner there. You're yeah, I don't know why. Portal of some kind. Something. You know, just I don't some... want to go off track too much, but yeah, you know about the reptilians, right? Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Okay. See, that could be a whole episode. We did a Reptilians episode. Did you? We did. We did. Yeah. That's what I think my wife saw. A Reptilian? A shapeshifter? Yeah. Well, yeah. That's what I believe. Well, that's what people talk about a lot is that you don't necessarily see, you know, an eight-foot lizard walking around, but you'll see, like, just features that seem distortedly human or something where they'll just see it for, like, a brief second. Like, they'll look and they'll see the true face, but then they look again and it just looks like a person. I believe in it. I don't like to go too deep into it because I don't have any proof. Above Majestic, there's a guy on there. I forgot what his... His name is William something. He's an older guy. Man, the stories... this, This guy is, like, in his 90s, but he's sharp as a tack and he tells... He went to the bases in Antarctica. He saw, like, all the different... Like he said, there's like tons of different races of extraterrestrials and the reptilians and the bad ones, dude. He, but his name is William something, but like he's got books. I've I've listened to like there's like like two or three three hour podcasts with this guy, and he like he recalls it like it's nothing, and you're just like he says it with such distinction that you're just like, okay, all right, this guy saw something, Yeah. yeah, and it wasn't. A realm it was here he saw something that was here yeah well there's no doubt that we're we have that around us even though i've never seen it i mean i have no doubt that it's real there are some animals that are more in tune to that as well yes um 
they've ever even actually bred some to be um, I'm trying to think the Lhasa Apsa mm -hmm. was one is one that is supposed to be able to see more spiritual beings well and you hear all the time about how you know animals will be barking at something or something like that you'll see like herd animals or like insects get affected before like global events it's almost like animals are more in tune with that side of reality yeah, than right. we are Even earthquakes or those kind of right things. Yeah. yeah like you hear about zoo animals freaking out in yeah, California right. before an earthquake out there so anyway, <laughs> maybe you could redirect it a little bit back to a little bit of flat earth. You guys yeah. want to ask us some questions? I was, yeah. like was going to say, I've got some notes here I'd love to talk about. The NASA one was the big thing for me just because it's like, you know, because it's like, you know, we're funding billions of tax dollars into NASA every year. And, you know, one of the things I saw in the video that I thought was very interesting, if we can get back into the firmament talk, is that when they launch a rocket, you know, we see the standard footage of a rocket going and it kind of makes this curvature, but you know, it's, we're supposed to believe it's this idea that the earth is curved, that this rocket is following, but then, you know, they made the point in the video that I found actually very compelling, you know, why are the NASA stations in Texas and Florida? Because they're right there by the bodies of water so that they can right. send these rockets kind of sailing up and over and then they recover them in the ocean. And then there was also some videos of people seeing, you know, satellites on land that had balloons attached to them. Right. And, you know, they want to talk about how, like, oh, it's just a balloon to help it get back down to Earth right. safely and stuff like that. But yeah. then they had also talked yeah. about how satellites weren't really a thing but had been conceptualized, and then suddenly, like a year or so later, there's satellites that we suddenly have to be concerned about. Arthur C. Clarke conceptualized mm -hmm. the idea, and I think it was like a year later, all of a sudden, we had our first satellite or whatever. So what would you say that satellite... So, we're, so obviously, you know, a, a round earther will believe that a satellite flies in space around the earth, helping transmit data, your cable TV, your cell phone, something like that. In, in your guys' opinion, what, what is the real purpose of satellites and what is, what is being hidden from the public by, with that? That well, sort of I'll lie start. about satellites. I think it's to make us believe further in the, uh, the globe model and outer space. You know, everybody believes in satellites. Uh, there are satellites, but they're not floating in outer space. They're not falling in orbit. In a geosynchronous orbit. Yeah. Orbit. And, uh, you know, people supposedly, they see lights up in the sky. Oh, that's a satellite. A satellite might be as big as this table, maybe as big as your couch. And supposedly, uh, you know, 250, how, how high are they? Well, let's say 250. I think that's uh, the space station is 250. I think the satellites, they say it's like a one, one, 150. Okay, so let's I, say I, I 120. Of memory, 120 miles. You think you could see that couch at 120 miles? No, I mean, you can it, barely see. It would have you, to be gigantic. You see a person across a cornfield. You, you know? can barely see a jet at the cruising altitude, which is, you know, 30, 40,000 feet, you know how many miles that is? With the sun glinting right, you know, powerfully on it. Yeah, you know, we're talking six to eight miles, and you can barely see that jet, but the ISS is about as big as a 747. How are you seeing the ISS at 250 miles up? Well, and this this kind of this kind of goes back into another point that I had seen in the video where there is an exact replica of the ISS in an underwater tank that they use for training. Yes. But then the perpetuated conspiracy behind that 
is that the footage is being filmed underwater and that they're using a green screen to put, you know, quote unquote, footage of space on top of that. So That's exactly what they're doing. And the wires, I saw the wires. I, that like was that. That was weird. That was where, where, especially where the guys like the one where the guy's foot kind of comes <laughs> yeah. around and it's almost like it gets like those, caught on that whatever you know? video that is, they are definitely on wires. How about, yeah. yeah. How about the one with the guy? Somebody's coming out of a hatch and it's kind of flimsy, and oh there's a guy in a frog suit. They didn't see that one, but yeah. Okay. I would. Yeah. I'm yeah. These are spacesuits. It's like a burlap cover, and it just keeps <laughs> flipping and flailing. They got, and they the got one. They got to it. They got a bee flying around the cabin. They got oh, that too, with, a, yeah. with a rat on the engine. Like that too. But uh, the thing is, is this: <laughs> they're supposedly in deep space, and there's burlap cover that he's trying to pull closed. It's like, first of all, if you're in a a uh, deep vacuum in outer space, you ever see a tanker when they suck the air out of it? An oil tanker? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it implodes. Yeah. How are they in those suits, and they're not, and, and it's pressurized, by the way, and then they go into a vacuum? How do, how are those suits not exploding? Well, and it's very interesting to point out that, I mean, and it's a very obvious one, but that, you know, your average astronaut suit sort of resembles an old diving suit that you would see back in the day. You have the large yeah. global helmet, you have the sort of padded arms and legs on it to, to protect you from, ideally, I guess you could say, the same similar pressures underwater that would be up in the air as well you know well a vacuum a vacuum yeah. is a totally different thing that is uh first of all if you're in a vacuum and you have even a slightest leak you're gonna die oh yeah but that's instantly. big in the news right now with the yeah. the, the sub the sub it wasn't really a submarine yeah. the subnautical yes. thing when imploded because of the pressure in the vacuum when you're in an atmosphere that's below sea level your blood boils it doesn't take very much to do that. Too. I was in the HVAC business, and uh, when we put in an air conditioner, we put a deep vacuum on those lines, and what happens is it causes, you know, we, we used to get up, we pull a 15-inch vacuum, which is a very deep vacuum, and it causes any moisture in the system to boil right out of it. And the same thing would happen to your blood, I mean, it would boil like right now. Well, and that's, and I was reading about a little bit about implosions this week, just after everything that's been in the news. And they said that, and I don't know if it was an over dramatization or not, but that it gets close to the, the temperature of the sun for a split second. Basically that vacuum goes, that temperature goes straight up. And basically like if, yeah. to die in that instance, you die within like 30 milliseconds because your yeah. blood boils, all the water boils, and then it's your instantaneous, your, you're a fine pink mist after that, basically. Exactly. Exactly. Now, they, they've showed some spacesuits with fly zippers in them. They've showed the boots of the astronauts in the museum that show one thing, then they show the print. It's told that they don't match at all. Uh, at NASA, they do have a vacuum chamber, and it's got like 15-foot uh, thick concrete walls to prevent that thing from, you know. And not only that, but in a vacuum... <clears throat> you know, they say, oh, well, they have uh, liquid oxygen to facilitate the burn, whatever. I don't know much about rocket technology, but there's some tests that have been done by uh, Level Earther. I don't, I, I'm not going to call myself a flat earther. I'm a Level Earther, stationary <laughs> Level Earther. There you go. More distinguished sounding. And... Uh, <laughs> 
In that uh, vacuum chamber that they did these tests, they put gunpowder in there, which does have an oxidizer. Same as supposedly, uh, I don't know if it's the same thing, it's probably not, but an oxidizer in that gunpowder that allows that to burn, you know, inside of a, a cartridge where there's very little oxygen. And it burns and fires the cartridge. But when you put it in that vacuum chamber and you pull a vacuum and then you take a uh, sun or whatever and magnify a light down on it, it smokes. It just like sputters, but it never ignites. When you take the drop the vacuum out, it ignites immediately. Um, <coughs> one of the other... <clears throat> Excuse me. I probably blew you out there, but um, one of the other tests they did, they put a fan in that vacuum and they put a feather in front of it. And when they turned the fan on, the feathers, you know, flailing. When they pulled a vacuum on it, Nothing. That feather didn't even budge. So then that makes you wonder what would NASA's explanation be for a flapping burlap something yeah. on a, a port, you know? Well, my question would be, how are they propelling themselves in outer space, a vacuum? you got to have something to push against. Well, and we always talk, you know, the, the perpetuated science is that, you know, we use rockets. We use this massive amount of rocket fuel to get us up into the air, but then we also have to use a massive amount of rocket fuel to get us back home but if you're talking about these experiments you know like with the feather and the gunpowder and stuff like that how is rocket fuel supposed to ignite in a vacuum then yeah and let's talk about how rare is a vacuum i mean you had to pull i mean i had some um air conditioning experience too it takes a while to pull that vacuum oh yeah and with your uh, pretty good compressor mm -hmm. so it's uh, a vacuum is not natural and to have the expanse of space this perfect vacuum. How does that work? Yeah, and also if you open it up after you pull that vacuum, you don't have to push the Freon into that system. It just sucks it right in. You know, it'll, it'll immediately fill that space. Well, well this kind of leads me to, I guess, another question that, I, not, again, not to challenge any beliefs or anything like that. Oh, but, please do. Well, just a lot. I was doing a lot of research over the past week when I knew that we were all going to be kind of having a roundtable here talking about it. Um, and obviously, I've run into a lot of people that were flat earthers, but then did their own research and did some science experiments. And then they said they proved that the earth was round and they had a very steadfast belief in that. So what... In your guys' opinion, because you guys are very steadfast in this belief, like this is like a very—it's not a belief. It—it's a—it's a knowledge. It's a knowledge. So you guys—I wouldn't believe it unless I had proof. Well, you—you you guys, you, you, this is knowledge that you guys consider to be universal and truthful. So, what do you think is up with these guys that you know are so heavily like you know I'm a flat earther, I believe this, blah blah blah, but then they do these experiments and they say that now they don't believe it anymore. So, well, know? I don't believe that first of all. Because I don't believe once you're a flat earther, you ever are not. Because what you see in real experimentation, you can't unsee it. Once you become a, a level earther, you never go back. So yeah. people that say that that's the case, then they did not do real research. It'd be interesting to know what experiments they did. I mean, ships over the horizon. I mean, that you can always bring ships back into the horizon using any sort of... Uh, camera that's got a high-powered mm -hmm. zoom lens or a telescope. So uh, well, and a lot of people talk about that. You know, they the biggest, you know, the biggest detractor I've seen for flat Earth amongst the research I was doing this week is that 
you know, this idea that it's a, it's a proven fact that the earth is curved because you'll see like the top of a mountain before you see the bottom of a mountain when you're coming over a horizon or something like that. And I can't remember exactly what the experiment was that the guy did, but it was something with like rockets and trying to move like quickly across like a plane and stuff like that. And he, he said with his research that he was a diehard level earther, but then with, after his research, he was converted to believe otherwise. So do you, do you think that's something where like his research may have been more geared towards that? Do you think that was something he was kind of looking for more so, or do you think, you know, just what are your guys thoughts? on? There's that? a lot of, a lot of reasons for the, the bottom disappearing and stuff. We'd have to look at it, the specific situation. Um, you know, when, when you see the sun disappear over the horizon, uh, it looks like it's going down. But Dave and several other people have done experimentation from up high, and they'll say, oh, that's because you're up high, you can see further. Well, you can see the sun where it um, goes further out, and when you're up high, you can watch it until it actually disappears where it never goes over a curve. It just disappears into the milk of the atmosphere as a full ball. So I actually found, I just did a little bit of research while you are talking, I actually found the guy we were talking about. His name was uh, Bob Nodel, K-N-O-D-E-L. Does that ring a bell for anybody? Yes. Uh, so the, the title of the article is Flat Earther Spends 18,000 Euros to Prove His Theory and Ends Up Demonstrating the Opposite. So what they say is that what we found is that when we turned on the gyroscope, we discovered that we were picking up a drift, a drift of 15 degrees per hour. Now, obviously, we were surprised by that. Wow, that's a problem. Obviously, we weren't willing to accept that. So we started looking for ways to disprove that it was actually recording the motion of the Earth. So basically, what he was trying to do is he was trying to prove that the Earth wasn't moving, but then through doing like... Um, looks like experiments involving like a gyroscope, just like magnetic poles and stuff like that with what he was doing with his rockets. He said his research proved to him that the earth was round more so than it was flat. And this guy was like a diehard like believer in that. I think I, I heard, I think research. I heard about that. It's been a while since I heard so the, the this article's guy. from 2018. So it's yeah, a it's been a while. Um, but basically he didn't prove either way from what I've kind of recall in my memory. Cause I remember hearing about that, his experiment, so they say the Earth is going a thousand miles an hour at the equator. Obviously, it's less as you go up towards the pole um, if in the heliocentric model. But what he discovered was that there was some sort of movement, or some sort of he he got some sort of measurement on his gyroscope, but it didn't match up with what they say the Earth is rotating at. Um, and other experiments have been done, and it's got more to do with um, the magnetic pull. And with the ether, than with any sort of rotation of the Earth. Um, it's been a while, like I said, that I saw came across it. But, it, but I mean, all the other proofs that the Earth is flat, and then you're going to take one experiment that shows there may be some force that we don't know what it is, and just throw the whole baby out with the bathwater. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I mean, it. Looking at a. I mean, the, geocent the heliocentric model says that we're on a ball. You know, it's 24,901 miles around. You do the Pythagorean theorem, which has been an accurate calculation for thousands of years. You take that Pythagorean theorem and you put it on, a, on the 24,901 mile around disk, and you, get, you triangulate, and you find out the distance per mile, and you find out it's essentially 8 miles squared, or 8 miles, sorry, 
eight, eight inches, inches squared per mile. per mile. So you got an eight. In, you should have an eight inch drop. I mean, uh, globalists will say, well, you know, maybe six. It's probably not even, you know. And they'll t- start talking about um, uh, what is it called? Uh, when you, when you, a parabola, but a parabola won't even exist for several thousand miles going across a ball. Oh, a thousand miles. <clears throat> I, I understand. Right. You know. And, and then you, either either way, you know. When you do the, all the math, because I've done all the math on paper, it takes a while, you know, to figure it all out. But once you do all the math, you figure out that a six-foot-tall man shouldn't be able to see a six-foot-tall man after three miles. There's no way you should, the top of his head should be below, you know, what your eyesight can see. Um, and that's that. That's just due to the curve of the Earth. When you can see 700 miles, when you can see even 100 miles or even 50 miles, I mean, I've seen Chicago from across the lake from Michigan. I mean, it wasn't a mirage. I mean, um, I think it was Rob, Rob Skiba. He was a big flat earth Christian. Um, when he heard the weatherman kind of, I'll back up. There was a picture sent into the, into the weatherman and it was put on the news. They said, Hey, this, you know, the picture of the day was basically the Chicago skyline taken from St. Joseph, Michigan. And the weatherman came up with an excuse like, well, What you're actually seeing is refraction, and he had all these nice little dimensions that he drew up for you to try to prove that this is just a mirage, basically. So Rob Skiba actually went across to St. Joseph, the spot that the picture had been taken at, uh, set his camera on the skyline, and got closer and closer and closer until I think he was maybe like a couple miles out from the shoreline, and there was no refraction, there was no mirage. What you were seeing was what you were seeing. Um, The top of the Sears Tower should have been, I believe it's like, 300 feet below the curve of the earth and that's just the top but you can see the whole skyline yeah. which i think the sears tower is like 1800 feet or something like that yeah. so 19, i mean that that alone should tell like you that. something's not right yeah. you know either the earth is way bigger than they say or you're looking at a flat earth so, so what you're saying is for in terms of like a, a very heavy belief in the level earth is that you're, you guys are looking at a lot of these like experiments like a lot you're doing a lot of math adding up a lot of things and, oh, the, yeah. and the results are just not adding up Right. Nobody's ever observed curvature. Not even up high in the sky. People think they have seen curvature through airplane windows or whatever. Mm -hmm. Those are slightly curved as well. Kind of like a fisheye lens almost. Yeah, well even Neil deGrasse Tyson after the Red Bull jump and they showed curvature. All the curvature in that video was New Mexico. They've checked out the landmarks. It's just New Mexico, which would make, you know, New Mexico covering, you know, two-thirds of the earth with that video. BS is what it is. And they knew it, and it comes down to always moving the globe post after we find something out. And Neil deGrasse Tyson said, no, you can't see the curvature from 120,000 feet up. He had to cover it up because people were saying, no, that's, that's New Mexico. It's not, you know. So he came out and said that. He said, you can't even get, uh, well, he, he didn't say that, but he said uh, at 120,000 feet, uh, if you take a, a golf ball, that's the skin of the, the golf ball. That's how high you were at 120,000 feet. Which, I believe that. That's true. If it was a globe. But really what it comes down to is you cannot get high enough to see curvature, first of all, because curvature doesn't exist. And you'll run into a dome at 73 miles from 
what we have seen from rockets. But we do have video. One guy just shot this from Israel, and the sun was behind the island of Crete, 660 miles away. The shape is exactly what Crete looks like on Google Maps and stuff like that, and uh, 660 miles away, that's 49 miles of missing curvature. Well, there was one other guy that did a better one than that, and he shows the Alps from 700 miles away. You can see each peak, each one is there, and that's, you know, 50, 50 some odd miles of missing curvature there as well. You should not even be able to see the, the peaks. That should be 50 miles below the curvature. So, I get, so would you say that, like, the level Earth theory, you know, a lot of this is... Look, because I suppose my biggest question for you guys about all of this is, you know, what what about it makes you believe it so steadfastly? You know, like what about it? it what about it intrigued you initially? And then because and because you guys are clearly all very well versed and well seasoned in this stuff, you know, so it's like, what about this particular theory just makes you believe it so feverishly? Well, one thing I would say is the way they, you know, NASA it used to be 53,000, no, 53 million, million a day. Yeah. It's more than that now. It's closer to 80 now. But it was 53 million a day that NASA is their budget per day. But now it is closer to 80, I think, million. What are they doing with that money? Now, what if some of the whistleblowers say it's all going underground? I mean, how do you blow 80 some million a day? And they're not even putting space shuttles up. They're not, you know. Right, it's not like we got a rocket launch every day, you know. Right. So I, it just doesn't make sense. The other thing is we've all seen satellites recently. Remember the satellite, the couple of satellites that China put over? Mm -hmm. And they had a payload. The balloon. The weather balloon. Mm -hmm. So that is what the satellites are allegedly. There were even guys back in the 50s and 60s. They were on the old cargo planes, Air Force guys, and they were reeling in the satellites before yeah. they lost total altitude. They were they were basically hooking them and bringing them board. Uh, they do that uh, about every 120 days, I understand. They, they send them up through in Antarctica, and then they'll recapture them and refurbish them and put them back out. So, okay, I'm gonna ask a hot button question. So those last two balloons, the spy balloons, what was that? Well, we Was that spy balloons or was that just stuff no. falling and they were like, that's no, a spy balloon? No, we don't believe that they were spy balloons. We believe they were just low-flying uh, uh, satellites and they had to make up a story to cover it up because that's what they actually are. Uh, that's what any satellite looks like. Balloons as big as football fields, they go up there. It looks like they're not expanded much, like a like a baggy. Once they get up there, it expands to the size of a football field and keeps it up there. Well, and NASA is the largest buyer of helium, like across the board, right? Like, there's not even anyone that comes close to second. They own all the 99% of the helium in the world, and we're not allowed to get it. We're allowed to get little tanks for balloons for the kitties. That's about it. They banned airships after the, uh, the Zeppelin Hindenburg. Hindenburg, and that was using hydrogen. So yeah, well, they did that. That was another psyop. They did that to make it look like, oh, this is dangerous. We can't do this anymore. They had ships with 
lounges in them. I mean, they were just, they were huge and people would fly anywhere they wanted to. Well, they had to get rid of that because, well, what if I want to go to Antarctica? I'm one of those. And uh, they used to dock at all the buildings. Like, they, there's pictures of uh, Hindenburg-type balloons docking at the uh, Empire State Building, stuff like that. So, all right. So I will ask this to kind of start rounding it out a little bit because I have a feeling this will take a while. What, <clears throat> what do you... As level earthers, what's the deception behind the round earth? Well, like, like I, why why are we why are we working so hard to keep that that idea going? What's well, because uh, like I say, it hides God from the a- average person. And how does it do that? Just out of curiosity. Well, because you're told that you're on this little spinning ball in this vast universe, we're insignificant, and where is God? In, in the scheme of things, you know? Um, so it's easy to make you believe that God does not exist. And, you know, government wants to become God. Um, it's easy to put fear into people. Like I say, we're running out of energy. We're running out of water. The world is overpopulated, and we're all going to die from global warming. Or an asteroid's going to hit us, or the sun's going to burn out. You know, the sun is not even a, a, a burning ball of gas. You could actually look at it through a, a high uh, magnification telescope or a uh, P1000 camera with, with the proper filter, and you could see it's not a burning ball. It's like a, uh, like a light bulb, like that. And we're supposedly spinning or rotating around the sun at 66,600 miles per hour. Hmm. And I'll expand on that further too. But (laughs) um, as we're going around at 66,000 miles per hour, (laughs) 0.6, and um, you look up at the sun with that filter, there's always a blemish on that sun. That never moves. You know how fast 66,600 miles per hour is? It's Pretty so fast. fast we can't even fathom it. It's probably, uh, I haven't done the math on this one, it's probably 40 times faster than our speeding rifle bullet. You feel any of that? That's just one speed. You got a thousand miles per hour that we're spinning. And we're chasing the sun and the universe at a half a million miles per hour. Is that that spiral, right? They, yeah. They always show yeah, yeah. All the, the planets, you know, the so-called planets, chasing the sun after the Big Bang. And yet, every night you go outside and the stars are all the same. They do shift, like I said, for the seasons. But they're always the same. I know one of the biggest arguments when I get talking about the flat earth at the at my job they always say well the moon is obviously a sphere right well you look at the moon it's always the same face it never turns they tell us that it just it just kind of moves with the earth so you never actually see the other parts of the moon Mm -hmm. 
we have dark, but, the dark side of the right, world. right. But I mean, I was just thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> but even 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 given that, you know, let's just give them that that it never, that's just somehow like kaleidoscope just moving at the same speed as our Earth is. From Argentina, I should at least be able to see a sliver of the moon that somebody up in Alaska shouldn't see, but it's not the case. You always see the same face. There's not even a sliver of difference between what you see in Argentina to what you see in Alaska. The only difference will be that the moon is upside down now because you're looking at it from a different angle. That is the only, the yeah, only you, difference. You do always see that, that man on the moon. That right, face yeah, is that face better. is always the same no matter where you are yeah. on the Earth. I, one other thing, I, you know, you asked uh, what... I guess there's not one thing that makes me believe, but it's all these inconsisten- inconsistencies. I can't even say the word. Inconsistencies. Thank you. Inconsistencies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's all right. But, I mean, you know, they're, they're talking about going to Mars. Well, research this. Look up Devon Island, D-E-V-O-N, Island. It's up there in Canada. It's near Greenland. And it's got all the same... Greenland, I think. It's close to Greenland, but yeah, I think okay. it's still in, in Canada. It's, okay. And it is... They've got NASA vehicles up there. You can see them on Google Earth. There's rovers on wheels. There, There's a big, a big van with NASA on it. Yeah. And in all the dunes and stuff that they're showing, you know, from the rover, they're the exact same ones on Devon Island. Exact same boulders. Are they still there? Because I think I tried to look it up a while ago, earlier this year, and I think they might have deleted that on Google Earth now. Yeah, of course they I did. I think SGT, SGT. Um, it used to be there, but I think they may have edited that out now. I'm not sure, but. On this. Scrub the internet. Well, you can look at journalism. Yeah. You've got some of the SGT reports. Uh, uh, SGT reports. There's people that saved them, but I don't yeah. know if it's there anymore because I, th- yeah. I tried to look at yeah. it recently. Just adding to that Mars thing, how are they flying helicopters up there in a, a you know almost zero atmosphere? <laughs> well, and just to kind of get, you know, we were talking about the moon and how the face is always the same and stuff like that. What do you guys have to say about... Um, I mean, famously, Neil Armstrong punched a flat earther in the face when he confronted him about that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of astronauts that have gone to the moon, you know, particularly Neil Armstrong, that whole first crew, they yeah. talked about how, um, you know, they saw megastructures on the moon. They saw that they were being watched by ships and stuff like that. Yeah. So do you think, and then that's a whole conspiracy in and of itself. Because, you know, there's the conspiracy that we faked the moon landing. That's probably the most famous conspiracy that people know when you talk about that. But then, you know, there's the conspiracy that NASA is covering up what Neil Armstrong and all those other guys saw on the moon. So are, so if we can take that into consideration for a second, would we believe that the moon is a destination that we can actually go to? Or has it been faked every single time? We cannot go there, I don't think. No, you, you, can, you can look it up. You can see different people that have actually photographed stars behind the moon. It's a transparent. It's a it's a it's a trans it's transparent. Yeah. yeah, you can see stars on the other side of the moon. Um, I mean, yeah. I don't know what else to say. I mean, it's just it's it. They used to have in the ancient times when they draw the moon on paper and different scripts. They actually used to draw a light coming from our Earth and bouncing off something and then hitting the shape of the moon on the dome. That's how they used to depict it. But, yeah, because hmm. I heard I watched one video. I was playing as a, I was mistakenly trying to use regular YouTube. What? I was trying to use YouTube to find things. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and I couldn't. And I, but I said they said that like the moon was actually technically in our orbit. That our orbit is way bigger than that, they that was say. Moving the globe post, by the way. 
That's what that is was. Is that what that? Okay. Because yeah. I saw that, and they're saying, "Well, no, it's actually still technically in our atmosphere. That it's part." Yeah, you know why? Part of the. Let me explain why. <laughs> because you got young astronauts saying, "With Orion, we will be able to go outside of Earth's atmosphere." What? Wait a minute. I thought you were to the moon already. So they had to move that globe post and bring the moon into our atmosphere because of that. Yeah, because I've watched, I never saw a video, but I never, I guess I never looked into it before. But like. I mean, I've done a little bit of digging into it just because, like, once you start getting into NASA and the moon, like, there's conspiracies on conspiracies on conspiracies. Like, it goes, like, very deep. There's a lot of layers to yeah. it. Never ending. Um, a question I wanted to make, and this is me coming from somebody who's, you know, been taught gl- global Earth, you know, round Earth his whole life. You know, yeah, and we have, too. Well, and I was just curious what your guys' opinion is on this, because I was actually thinking about this when I was watching that documentary you had sent earlier. Um, without the moon, how does flat Earth theory explain, like, the waves and, like, the tides and shifts in the tides and stuff like that? Because we're, okay. we're meant to believe that, you know, the, the moon phases and the, the proximity of the Earth and the moon is what causes I'll, the tidal I'll have to pass shifts. on that, because I'm not there, that well-versed there, on that one. There's a couple of different, theor- a couple of different theories. Um, the theory that I don't agree with is uh, David Weiss is where he says that um, we basically live in a big battery. You got the moon is anode and the sun is the cathode and the waves kind of carry the current, the salt current. Like you have a battery, you got an anode, you got a cathode, you got a right, salt current, yeah. and that kind of shifts the waves. Um, my theory is different though. I believe that a lot of these ancient sailors where they have the writings, you read the books um, of their journey is going to the North Pole. Um, once they get far enough to the North Pole, there's four rivers, and you won't see this on maps anymore, but 100 years ago, 300 years ago, all the maps depict um, a big, giant, black mountain sitting in the middle of the Antarctic. And that was the magnetic pole. That's you mean the Arctic? Arctic, sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the Arctic sitting in the center of the Earth with this big, black mountain, um, and that was a magnetic pole up there. And then there was four rivers that would go up there. Some people believe they're the four rivers mentioned in the book of Genesis, uh, uh, I can't remember the name but the, the Euphrates yeah. and the, the mm. other three but anyway yeah. um, and the sailors would report there's a big that twice a day there was a big whirlwind that would swirl up there that would make a, almost impossible to sail um, this is twice a day that would explain the two tides um, the, the low tide and the high tide so that's that's the most prevalent theory that I have um, mm-hmm. I think there was actually some high up balloons that have actually shown a whirlpool up there at the center of the Arctic. It may have something to do with the magnet with the you know, us being in like a battery type system as well. I don't know but I was just curious about that just because that that seems to be the biggest detractor for a lot of flat earth theories that I've read. Well how do you explain the tides, you know, how do you explain this? Well I think he's he's right on it. I I, it's I not, think he's right yeah. on it. Just like the sun, what lights it up? Uh, we believe it's powered by the ether. And like he said, the, the moon is the anode and the sun is the cathode. And how does it float up there, right? Mm-hmm. I don't, I, first of all, I believe it's inside the dome within 73 miles, they're up there, probably around 50, 60 miles, whatever. Some people say 3,000 miles. I don't believe that because that rocket that hit at 73 miles, I don't think they're really there. I think they're a projection from the firmament. In the Bible, it says God set the sun, moon, and stars 
and he put them in the firmament. So I believe that they, they are a actual projection. Does the moon look solid? Yes, it does. It probably is solid somewhere, but I don't think it's solid where we see it. That's why it disappears, it comes back, and where you can see stars through it, and stuff like that. So I think we're in a part two territory. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like I could sit here and talk to Yeah, I know, I know you could. I know stuff. you could. But how, Great question, by the way. Thank, oh. thank you. I, uh, I, I mean, I like to be prepared for this stuff, and I'm, I have a general interest in a lot of this stuff, and yeah. conspiracy, and you know, cryptids and stuff like yeah. that. Anyway, and uh, when I heard I was getting the chance to sit down and talk with three of them, I was like, I gotta come prepared because I definitely want to get some answers to some things yeah. that you know I haven't necessarily found, probably because I'm searching on the conventional internet for it. You know? I love it because uh, most of the time, you can't get anybody to ask you a question. Well, and they have to shoot from the hip. Well, that's what I think is so interesting about it is that so many people are so quick to deny it, but they don't want to actually get into a you know a, a theoretical discussion with people like you guys about well, it. Well, because you know? they can't. Right. Let me ask you a couple questions real quick. <clears throat> if you were done, by the way. Oh yeah, sure. Go ahead. Um, one of them being, how how many rotations does the uh, Earth spin in one day? Oof. Well, because it kind of depends on what your belief system is with it. Because if well, you're believing you're 11,000. Well, yeah, if you're going with the heliocentric version of it, I mean, even then, that's kind of, kind of a hard question to answer. Because, like, when you think about it, you have to think about the mass of the Earth and the speed that it's turning at and everything like that. You know, the belief is that it's one turn every 24 hours. Okay, there you go. You got it. Okay. Um, how, how often does the... Uh, Earth make it around the sun every 365 days. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I already told you these answers, <laughs> <laughs> but um, how far is the sun from Earth? 73 miles. In the, in the <laughs> you got me, man. 93 million miles. Well, Very I'll, good. I'll throw Very a wrench good. in it. I actually just heard a theory that this guy thinks that, that the sun, that's the actual location of heaven. Okay. Interesting. That, to, that's what, that's interesting what, yeah, I got to get that I guy. Believe that I got to get that guy in here, too. That, the, uh, that Earth is God's footstool. And... Uh, Above the firmament is his uh, throne, I believe. Is that correct? Possible. Yeah. Well, I think the theory that I've heard is um, the sun is that actually the sun that we see. The sun is actually farther into heaven, and the sun is actually the real sun is shedding light under the dome and putting a spot on the dome. And this, that's the sun you see is a spot on the dome. Yeah. And that, yeah. Okay, cool. I like that. Well, theory. that's and you can you can actually experiment with the real with the sun that you see. You can actually take a glass dome outside, and you will see that it lights up a spot on the dome. And you know when you look at um, from the air, you know you got the cloud, and you got an opening in the cloud, and the sun comes through that. That shouldn't be possible when it's ninety three million miles away. That hot spot. Mm-hmm. You know how to you get the crepuscular rays. Yeah. yeah. It's all the time when there's clouds up there, and they say, oh, well, it's just diffusion. But how come we don't see any straight rays coming through there if it's 93 million miles away? It's all <clears throat> How come when the sun is on the other side like it is right now, 
as bright as it is, 93 million miles away, how come we don't see the sun shining up over the sides of the earth? You know what I mean? Yeah. What is it, just zero in and hit the earth? <laughs> Someone's up there turning the dial. <laughs> it's like a guy with a spotlight. He's right. It's a focus adjustment, yeah. right? Yeah. But it's these kind of inconsistencies. I love it. Wait, it's these kind of inconsistencies that are that throw throw you. You know, like like I've talked to pilots. I said, okay, you're a pilot. It's going at a thousand miles an hour at the at this at the equator, right? Mm -hmm. How are you going to hit a north south runway? If it's moving a thousand miles to the side, and you've been up in the air for eight hours, now you're going to come in on a on a north south runway. That thing's moving a thousand miles an hour. You can't. When you look at these planes landing from the pilot's perspective or the passengers, they're just like a they're just going in on a stationary <laughs> earth. They're not. Well, and, it's and not moving. Well, and famously Shaquille O'Neal came out and he said that you know he's done, done like cross global flights going from like you know LA to Australia and stuff like that and he's and he said in his experience he's like I don't want to say I'm a flat earther but like it doesn't make sense that like I could go from here to here and it just looks flat the entire time and nothing changes and even though we're in different time zones and hemispheres and everything like that you still manage to fly in one straight line yeah. and land in a flat he is place. a flat earther by the way but they <laughs> got to preserve that money you know right yeah all right chatty Cathy's Final time. Final one, one other couple of things I'd all like right, to all add. All right, all right, go ahead. Make it the closing thoughts. Yeah, final thoughts. Okay. Well, final thoughts. Okay, <laughs> so know. the Earth is spinning at 1,000 miles per hour going east. And you get on a plane, you want to go to L.A.? 500 miles per hour, that plane's going. It makes it in five hours, right? Now, when that plane wants to come back to New York... The Earth is still spinning at a thousand miles per hour. The plane's only going five hundred miles per hour. How's it overcoming thousand miles per hour? Going in the opposite direction. Right. Well, that's interesting because you know we're all supposed to believe in the scientific concept of centripetal force, and you know they want. And I mean, I mean, you could even apply it to your own life. Think about when you're going for a walk on a windy day, and you're walking right into the wind. There's a lot of resistance just from that, from yeah. your five foot, six foot body, and just the wind coming. You know, imagine five hundred miles an hour versus what is it, 11,600 miles, 0.6 miles an hour? <laughs> it's a lot to think about. Yeah. It sounds like you'd have to fly with it. Yeah. Yeah, well. Interesting. I don't think you'll ever get to New York if you're trying to get there. <laughs> no, probably not. But yeah, final thoughts, guys. People who are questioning. I got one more regarding that. Oh, all right, that. all right. One more. People say, you know, when you're on a train, you don't feel any moment movement. When you're in a car, you don't feel any movement. When you're in a plane, you don't feel any movement. Well, here on the Earth, we don't have a cover over us. We don't feel any movement, right? So we go up in the plane at 500 miles per hour, no movement, right? Let's take the top off of the plane and make a model that's equal to what we're in right now. You think you're going to feel anything? For a second. <laughs> very briefly for most of them yeah very very quickly i like that well to expand on that i mean when you are in a plane i've been on a plane a lot of times you will feel movement there's a lot of turbulence and you're in a jet stream as well so you're not gonna feel that much turbulence unless you hit you know some sort of atmospheric type uh difference that you're coming through yeah. storms or whatever 
um, you are going to feel that little movement. And if we're going, and that's just at 500 miles an hour, you've got to consider our little rocky balls going 500,000 miles one way, 66,600 miles another way, plus a spinning. There should be a lot more turbulence just standing here than there would be on a plane, yeah. if that was the truth. My head has got the gears going, so we're going to have to do it another time. That's fine. I would love to get back together. But uh, I got so much to say about that <laughs> regarding that. Hey, that's fine. We can always do more. We can do, we can do as many as you want. Yeah. For homework, let's talk about curved water. Adam. Adam's our, is our... Uh, I'm the new note guy. He's well, what guy. they'll show you, what, what a, a glober will show you. A glober. A globalist. Well, I, I actually call them globs. Oh. They call us flurfs, so, you know, it's fair. <laughs> yeah, a couple globs and flurfs can sit around and have a good time, you know. But, uh, but a glob. I like to hear it. You ask them, you ever seen curvy water? And they'll show you a droplet of water on a leaf. There's curvy water. Show me curvy water in a bucket. Anything bigger than a bucket. But the bottom's still flat. Well, and that kind of falls into the whole firmament. And it's, and it's not moving. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the other thing, too. You see lakes. Not a ripple in them on a calm day. You ever see a, a pool in an earthquake? <laughs> it's like shake and bake, man. It's everywhere. You know, rocking and rolling. So anyway, I guess we'll we'll call it a, a yeah. day unless you guys have one comment. Yeah, yeah any final thoughts? I kind of sort of dominated here any a little bit. Any final thoughts? We're almost at two hours, so. <laughs> uh, well, I would just like to end it just by thanking you guys so much for coming on and just sharing your opinions with us. You know, I mean, I, I think I learned a lot just sitting here talking to these guys, and I think any listeners would certainly have a... Have a lot to a lot of bit lot of fat to chew on after listening yeah. to this episode. That yeah. was fun, man. You guys are great. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys coming on and sharing. Like Some good questions. I love to hear. What you you stumped me with that Bob Nodal though. I'm gonna have to look that one up, man. That that was like I said. That was something that I thought was really interesting. Is because yeah. you know I saw him. He was the most notable one, but I saw a couple others where people were like, "Oh, I was a flatter." Not then. Nodal right. one. Yeah, he the was, notable one. Do, do, do you know about the <laughs> most <laughs> noble? You know about the Michelson Morley. Uh, experiments. I, I've dabbled a little bit in it. Okay. I haven't gotten too deeply into it, but that okay. is something I want to Look get up more Michael into. Michelson Morley. I mean, that's Michelson. That's the guy, you know, known, you know, the speed of light guy back in the 1800s. So, yeah, yeah, that didn't sit well with Einstein. He said, "Oh no, I have to disprove that." And then he came up with special relativity. Special relativity, yes. <laughs> but he also said that uh, I can't prove that the earth is moving, but I, that's unacceptable, you know. Mm -hmm. It's also, they've also said that the idea that God exists, that's just unacceptable. We, we can't put up with that. I, I don't have the actual quote for that, but, you know. Well, look how far that gets some people, you know. Yeah. But they can't let you have a position where you can't believe in God. So that's that's the position they've if you, put If you know in. God is right up there and not millions and billions of miles away, like your most pastors will tell you, right. it makes a difference. And if you know hell is down here, heaven's up there, yeah, makes a big difference. And many atheists have become Christians after they found this that's true. belief. It's not a belief, by the way. It's, it's, it's knowledge. Yeah, it's knowledge through testing. 
think that's a good way to end it. It's yeah, not, it is. It's not a belief, it's knowledge through testing. Belief is the enemy of knowing. I like that. All right. And well, that's Crow's line, by the way. Crow triple seven. Not mine. Not yours. Well, thank you guys for being on Maybe It's Spiritual. Yeah, thank you guys so much for the time. <laughs> we really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. It's been awesome. All right. Thanks, guys. Fun, man.